It's good to be here this evening. I appreciate you making the effort to be here as well in the middle of the summer, and I know you have a lot going on or maybe a trip coming up, and some of you wish you had a trip coming up, and you don't. That's why you're here. Um, But if we could, remember Pastor Wilkerson, Ghana is an amazing trip, but it is a very draining trip, and it is a long trip, so keep him in prayer. And I'm sure all of you this tonight, we're going to learn that a pastor is supposed to speak from strength and talk from strength. So we're going to learn tonight that I am not doing that. This is something I think I need to work on, and I know you're amazed to hear that uh, because you thought he has it all together, Uh, but my wife told me differently. Uh, So we're going to be married 27 years Friday, so I thought I'd listen to her uh, about this. But as we talk tonight, we're going to talk about a subject that may be helpful to you. If it's not helpful to you, it'll be helpful to me. And frankly, all you who are married, you probably hope your spouse listens to this message. And all you parents, hope your kids listen. All the kids hope the dad and mom listen. Because this is something that can be helpful. All of us feel like if we get our point across, the world will be a better place. Anybody else agree with me on that? You feel like every time you hear someone talking and they're in error, all they need is for you to correct them. Is that right? But how many of you like to be the one getting corrected? Exactly. So that is why we struggle sometimes our relationships. How many of you, you're on a public transit, you're in a bus, you're in a plane, you're in somewhere in public, in a mall, a shopping place, and you hear somebody talking, and you know they're in error, and you can't stop yourself from correcting them? How many of you are married to someone like that? It's hard to do that. It's hard to keep our opinions to ourselves. It's hard to just keep our mouths shut. It's hard to really listen. But I think we're going to look tonight that maybe the best thing that we can do to represent Christ the way we should and to convince people that we care about them and we want to help them. So what are we talking about tonight? We're going to talk about tonight, listen to me. So we're going to have that. How many of you ever uttered those words right there and ended in an argument right there? Listen to me, and instantly it starts it off, right? Because sometimes our approach is even more important than our words. How many of you kids right there, do you feel like that's what your parents say to you all the time right there? You got that? Good. It's good for you. All right, no, I'm just kidding. All right, you have that right there. Listen to me. Because we all think that would solve the problems, don't we? You really feel like every time you get in an argument, if they would just be quiet and listen to you, everything would be solved. Why? Because you would get your way. Why? Because then they would understand you. Because you can enlighten them. Because you can set them straight. Because you can help them see the light. You can make sure everyone knows who's correct and who is not. But I have to admit, I like to give my opinion, and I like to convince others that I am right. How many of you are in that same boat? Anybody besides me? Five of you are brave enough to raise your hand, and some of you right now, you're in church. And you're lying, all right? Because you like to do this. We all like to give our opinions. It starts when you're a little kid, doesn't it? Every little kid realizes that moment that they can say no. How many of you parents remember that time when your kid decided they could finally say no? It became their favorite word. Anybody but me? Jared, so nice. You have your hand up right there with your kids. I know that they've said that before. I've heard your wife tell you that many times. No, I'm just kidding. All right. But you hear this. You like to all of a sudden give your opinion. And when you do that, You'd like to convince others you're right. Now, one name comes to mind above anyone else in this category. I'll pick on Abdel Judah. All right, just ask Abdel about some of his opinions that he has. He likes to try to convince others he's right. And it's fun to watch him do this. It can be very entertaining at times to do this. 
Whether I agree with him or not, it's just entertaining to watch him try to convince everybody around him that he's right all the time. And more and more. And that's why no one likes Brother Judah. No, I'm just kidding. But he does, and we all are in that category, don't we? We all like to give our opinions, and we like to convince everybody else we're right. And we realize, in our own heads, if we can just talk long enough, everyone will come around to our way of thinking. And when we do that, sometimes we can push people away if we're not careful. Now, some people are good at this. It can diffuse arguments, but many times it doesn't work. But I found that we all want to give our opinions and get our point across. We all do this. And sometimes this can be absolutely damaging. Because I have learned you can write, R-I-G-H-T, your way out of a relationship. And some of us have done that, haven't we? You may be thinking of someone right now that you used to be in a relationship with, a friend with, a coworker with, and you've righted your way out of a relationship. And unfortunately, sometimes, I've done this spiritually. I've righted my way in a spiritual conversation with someone out of an opportunity to talk to them. And we have to be careful that's not us. Have you proven your right and lost influence over someone else? Have you validated your point to such a degree that no one's listening to you anymore? You know, we think if we give our opinion more and more, we'll convince someone to change their mind. Research shows the opposite is true. Research shows if people don't like you, they will not change your mind even if you prove you're right. And the best way to get someone to change their mind is to make them like you. You do realize when Jesus walked the earth and was a witness to so many people that people liked Jesus. In fact, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And he liked them back. He could go into any crowd and get along and converse with them by asking questions, and by showing genuine interest in them, by not giving his opinion, but hearing what they thought. Then ask him a question to drive their thinking more along his way of thinking. And before you know it, they liked him. And then he changed their mind. And we need to take some of that into consideration. Because how many of us have made that mistake in our lives? Because don't we all feel better when we make our voice heard? Don't you? I just keep going back to everyone wants to be heard. Everybody. How many of you have ever been in an argument or relationship and you say, I'm going to be good this time, I'm not going to say anything, and all of a sudden before you know it, it's like, it's like trying to hold that you know, water hose where it's doing this and pressure builds up and pressure builds up and all of a sudden it explodes. Have you ever done that before? You try so hard and then you can't take it. Before you know it, you have like tears coming out of your eyes and I think you're crying, but really you're just trying not to talk. Am I, I'm the only one? Okay, thank you very much. Uh, leave me hanging there. But you can do that. You can absolutely do all you can to just keep your mouth shut, and it is an actual job to do that. It can be very tough. And I don't know why it is so difficult. But a guess is because our ego drives making our voice hurt. Because it's my opinion. It's my way of thinking. It's what I think is right. And when that takes over, you know what is not present? What are you thinking? You know what is not present? Humility. Pride drives. Listen to me. And how many of us struggle with this? 
even with God as we read our Bible. You ever debated with God as you read the Bible? And you want to say, God, just listen to me. Here's all you have to do for me. Here's it. This is it. All you have to do is this, this, and this. You give God your list. And you get very angry when God doesn't listen to you. Then you find that falling over into your relationships with your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Before you know it, you're driving people away. Why? Because you just want to be heard. When people have to get the last word in and always get their opinion across, people tend to avoid them. Is that you? Or do you know someone like this? Is there someone at work that is this right here? They have to get their opinion across. How many know someone like that? They have to get their opinion across. And before long, you start avoiding that person. Or you go to that person and try to get their opinion just because it's fun to watch them. Anybody else done that before? How many of you have someone, you get them talking, and they have no idea what they're talking about, but you realize they just want to talk? So you keep them talking to see how far off track they can get or how far they can be away from the truth. Anybody ever done that before? I've done it many times with people. People have to one-up you. It's very fun to get them going down that track, and the faster you get them to go, the more mistakes they make. And it's enjoyable, unless it's me. And then you have to figure out what to say. But many times, those who are the loudest opinions have the least to say. Sometimes, instead of arguing, you need to listen until you fully understand. How many of you have ever been in an argument, and you're really frustrated with someone, until you hear the whole story, and then you see a different side? Anybody ever done that before? Years ago, my son Pete was in a Sunday school contest, and I don't have any idea what for, but he won $20. Well, I, I don't know if the teacher texted me or somehow I knew Pete won $20. So, I driving home from church probably the evening, I said, hey, Pete, I heard you won $20. He told me, yes, he did. I said, hey, what are you going to do with it? I don't have it. What do you mean you don't have it? Because you're supposed to give it to me. I'm your dad. No. I said, what do you mean you don't have it? He said, well, well I, I, I just don't. He didn't really give me much story. I couldn't figure out what his problem was. So I kind of chewed him out. How many parents think you're on my side right here, right? Kind of chewed him out. Well, the teacher then texted me and said, just so you know, Pete did win $20, but he asked me to give it to this specific missionary instead of him getting the money. And so that's what he did with his money. I said, what's that kid doing, trying to show me up? So I've never given 20 bucks to a missionary. No, it's good. But I went to Pete and said, why did you tell me? He goes, I don't know. You know why? Because I didn't ask. But then I felt bad. But I knew the whole story. Have you ever judged someone prematurely before you had the whole story? My wife can be so empathetic this way. We'll go to a store, to a restaurant, and the waiter or waitress will be kind of short. And I was like, man, you can't get good service. And she's always like, you know what? They're probably having a really hard day. Maybe they had a dog die. I'm like, who cares? Right now, just give me good service. It's all about me right now. I'm paying their tip. She's like, oh. And then she'll start talking, and then they'll, they'll start talking to her, and then they'll want to share their story. And she's like, see, they're just doing my thing again. Who cares? No, I'm just kidding. I don't say that. I'm not really the heartless. But sometimes our perspective changes when our knowledge increases. And unfortunately, our knowledge doesn't increase when we're talking. How many of you have ever said, I don't understand you? 
in an argument, and then you keep talking. If you don't understand, what is the best way to get more information so that you do understand? Ask questions and be quiet and listen. If you're the one who doesn't understand, you shouldn't be talking. I've heard myself do that before. Have you ever had the inner dialogue in your own head as you're having an external conversation and arguing with yourself? Anybody ever done that before? Your internal dialogue is, can you please be quiet right now and stop talking? And your external pride is saying, absolutely not. I'm going to prove my point here. Have you ever done that before, anybody besides me? All right. Thank you very much. One person over here. That, that's very helpful. Only highly intelligent people do that. So I guess we're the only ones who are that category. Proverbs 17:28 says this, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. He that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. So right now, how many of you right now can just be quiet the next time you want to give your opinion? Because when you do that, you're counted wise. I think all of us in here don't want to be thought of as a fool. We want to be confused with a wise person. And the best way to do that is to stop talking when we just want to give our opinion or argue a point. He that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Are any of you confused with a wise person? Have any of you ever been called a foolish person? The best way to quickly change that is to keep your mouth shut, ask questions, and listen. If you shut your lips, you're esteemed or seen as a man of understanding. Why? Because you're listening to them. You know what else? People like when you do that. You need to make sure you're listening more than you're talking if you want to get along. If you want to win people to Christ, be like Christ. Example. What is that? Ask questions and listen. Get them talking about themselves. Don't argue and debate insignificant opinions. And don't give your opinion. In today's society, you know what is the cool thing to do? To give your opinions. The more inflammatory they are, the better you are at giving your opinion. Have you noticed that? Let's be extreme in our opinion. Let's drive everybody away. Let's show that we're a radical in our support. But it's not always necessary to give your opinion. And many times when I give my opinion, then I have to defend my opinion, and that person doesn't like me. And then I have no chance of winning that person over. I have to be careful when to insert my opinion, when to keep my mouth shut. Now, none of you may have that, and I may be talking to myself tonight. I don't think that's true. And if you're getting elbowed in the side by your spouse, that, again, proves it is not true. We all probably all need this. Proverbs 18.2 says this, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Basically, a fool has no desire to understand what other people are doing. He just wants to speak his heart, speak his mind, and give his opinion. He just wants to discover what he has in his own heart. He has no interest in you, just what's in his own heart. How many of you know someone that would fall into this category? How many of you are sitting next to that person as you raise your hand? All right. Kenzie, thank you very much. It must be either Michael or your mother. I'm not sure which. All right. But a fool had no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. You ever find yourself talking and talking and talking because you just like to hear what's in your own head and in your own heart? Some of you just ramble on and on. You find yourself just arguing opinions that are senseless and meaningless just so you can get your point across and just so you can be heard. 
And just so your pride can take over, and instead of ever being interested in anyone else, you're only interested in yourself and what you think. You want to convince everybody else that what you think is right and what is best. And you're not concerned if anyone else disagrees with you because you are so driven to get your point across. I have to say that is not, in my opinion, very Christ-like. I think these verses in Proverbs point that out. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says this, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. There are many people that you have to go to them and you have to almost beg and work and get their wisdom out of them. What does it mean? They don't want to give their opinion unless they know you really want it. Many people that can help you the most are not the ones walking around trying to tell you how to fix your marriage. You ever notice that? If someone walks up to you and says, hey, let me tell you to fix your marriage, just make sure that they have some qualification to do so. Because if people are just walking around throwing out tips, a lot of times you need to make sure they're not the people who just are listening what's in their own heart. Because counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. If you don't want help, then you're probably not going to find it. But if you want to change and you want to get better in your relationships and you want to find out how to really get along and integrate with other people, you want to improve your people skill, you want to figure out how you can truly help people, then maybe you need to start learning that you need to be interested in other people and their opinions more than you are in airing your opinions. Because this can be a very damaging thing for all of us. Intuitively, we all know we need to listen more and talk less. We all know that. And if you want to do better, even as a parent, it's very hard to do, at least for me. But you ask questions about their interest, and you listen. You enter their interest, and you learn about that. You try to be interested in their world. You try to get their opinions. And if you're like me, you find when you try hard to do that, number one, it's extremely difficult. I mean, you can be a strong, overbearing personality and very opinionated. It can be extremely hard to convince those other people that now you do truly care about them. But when you do, you get to see another side of people. And I have found, for me, when I truly start to understand other people, I have more grace for that person because I see the other side of the story. I'm less judgmental because I've seen the other side of the coin. If a person comes to church and is a little bit difficult, more you get to know that person, not always, but many times as you get to know that person, you see another side of that person and your grace goes up and your patience increases and you understand them better. So not only can you help them better, you like them better. And as you like them, they like you. And then you have the opportunity to really, truly influence them. That's why some people are so effective at changing lives. That's why Jesus was so effective. How do you think Jesus saw everybody with so much grace? He was surrounded by people with infirmities and problems and issues and handicaps. And he healed them. And he was patient with them. How did he do that? Because he listened to them, he saw their hearts, and he saw what they needed, and he listened to them. Does that sound like you? Does that sound like me? As I was thinking through this, 1 Corinthians 8, the first three verses came to mind. And I thought, you know what, this may be helpful for me, and I studied it for me. 
And hopefully it's helpful for you. Years ago, I heard someone say, never apologize to anyone that's in your, you know, influence. And I, I didn't know that I agreed with that. And I know wholeheartedly I do not agree with that now. Apology does not mean that you are weak. Apology does not mean that you don't ever value other people. Actually, apology means that you value the relationship more than your ego. When you can put your ego second and the relationship first, it's easy to apologize. But you know what I found? It's very natural for me to put my ego first when I'm angry or I'm upset. And maybe you've struggled with that before, and you wonder why. Because we want everyone to judge us by our intentions, but we ju judge everyone else by their actions. You ever done that? Well, I didn't mean to do that, and we want to be forgiven. I didn't mean to cut you off. You ever done that before? Cut someone off, and you give them that little sorry wave, you know, head down, hand up, means I didn't see you like that, and they get really angry. And you think, well, don't judge me by my actions. I didn't, I didn't see you, right? But when someone cuts you off, you judge them by their actions. When I go in and get poor service at a restaurant, I don't stop and think, are they having a tough day? I'm judging them by their actions, not by their intentions, not by their struggle they're having that day. I don't want to give them that grace. I don't want to give them that benefit of the doubt. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says this, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Next six words. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. That hit me. And I think the more knowledge I think I have, it puffs me up. What does that remind you of? Pride. Psalm 10.4 talks about there is so full of ourselves there's no room for God. Knowledge puffs up. Has knowledge puffed you up? If you replayed this week in your head, have you had any contention with someone else because of your knowledge that's puffed you up? You think back to that discussion with a coworker that turned into an argument. Was it because knowledge puffed you up? You were trying to talk to that person about Christ, and then he just made you mad. Did your knowledge puff you up? The argument with your spouse, you just had to prove, I can't, oh, what is going on in their head? Did knowledge puff you up? But charity edify. Love builds. This is not a phrase that's new to me, but it made me think of the next one. Knowledge seeks to be understood. Love seeks to understand. If you're having conversations and your sole intention is to be understood, that's knowledge. If you're in a conversation and your whole point of that conversation is to understand them, then love is driving that conversation. How many conversations do you have with other people that love drives them? How many conversations do you have with other people that knowledge is driving it? If every time it's just, listen to me, I'll tell you what's going on, I know what, if every time you do that, that is a knowledge puffing you up, you're not trying to understand. You're trying to be understood. Every single time that you can say, you know what, let me hear a little more. Man, explain that to me. Why do you feel that way? What makes you think that? I had a conversation we were on vacation last week with a guy. And just like we had a couple interactions. He's a business owner there. A couple interactions. 
And as I started asking questions, he came, and I didn't push it. The next day, he saw me. He goes, hey, do you mind if we talk a little bit? I said, sure, that's fine. I sent my family. They were able to do something. I was able to talk to him for a couple hours. And I asked a lot of questions, and I was able to share the gospel with him, and I was able to share a lot of scripture with him. You know what? It took a long time to get there. But the reason I was kind of proud of myself is if I would have talked about me the whole initial time and not really ask him about him, and my wife is a master at this. She was with me and we talked to him. He felt like we wanted to understand him. And he said, do you mind if I call you and follow with you again? I said, no, that's fine. But the reason I'm telling you a story is because I did it right. You know what I could tell you a lot of other times? I did it wrong. And every time I did it wrong, you know what drove that conversation? My knowledge, my pride. But it's amazing when I follow the recipe that's right here in 1 Corinthians 8. It works. If you're struggling in your marriage, all you have to do is read this. And every conversation, say, love is going to drive this conversation. And all you have to do is don't give your opinion. Do your best to understand their opinion and listen to them. That's it. Think, oh, that's so difficult. It is. It's easy to understand, difficult to do. But what a difference it will make. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2 and 3 said, If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. That's kind of a harsh statement, isn't it? How many of you ever told your kids that? You think you know something? You don't know nothing. Anybody ever said that before? It's very frustrating a parent says to you, but I have to admit, it's much more gratifying when you're the parent and you say it to your kid, all right? There's some things that the kid, you're like, I'm never going to say that to your kid, right? Okay, that's one of them that I probably have said to my kids. Don't ask them. Don't look over at them right now because they would probably shake their head that I have said that. But you know what? When I say it, I'm right. All right, right, guys? They're just staring me down. All right, there we go. But if you think you know anything, you don't know anything as you ought to know. Why? Because knowledge puffed you up. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. If you love God, you know God loves you. That's a basis for where you start. How many of you this week can commit to say, I'm going to use my conversation with other people, not to be understood, but to understand. I'm going to let love drive my conversations. I'm going to let people see that I truly care about them. I want that to be a shining light that comes through me from the Spirit of God that is inside of me when I trusted Christ and it came into me. That power can give me the ability to say, every conversation I have, I want to seek to understand, and I don't care if I'm understood. How many times did Jesus Christ talk and the people didn't even understand him? But yet they compelled to him. The disciples said, what would you say again? Guys, don't you even get it yet? But people were so drawn to him because they could tell he cared about them. He wanted to understand them. He met their needs, solved their problems. If your coworkers are convinced that you wanted to understand them and you wanted to meet their needs and solve their problems, what kind of testimony did you have at work? If your neighbors felt that way about you, what testimony did you have with them? If you're in a dating relationship, if you treated your partner with this respect, I want to understand you. Help me to do that. 
And now, like, who knows? Who can even understand you? No, don't get sarcastic. Say to your head, you know what? I want to understand. If you're married, if every conversation with your spouse, I don't even get you. Okay, when you hear she'll say it, take a step back and realize, okay, I don't understand that. So say, you know what? What made you think that way? What did I do to contribute to your frustration? Start letting love drive you to understand, not your knowledge driving you more. The stronger and more mature person will yield to the weaker person's preferences to seek peace. Where are you at? Is there someone you need to reconcile with? Do you need to put your own ego in check? Has knowledge puffed you up? Are you such a master of everything in your domain, in your world, that no one can tell you anything? Do you feel like that you have the corner on every opinion? No matter what someone says, you're going to weigh in with your two cents. And everyone, if they just understood you, would just be so much better. And life would be better if everyone just understood you. Or Paul says, no. If you want to love someone, you don't seek to be understood. You seek to understand. So which group are you in? Listen to me. Or hey, what do you think? Which one? Can you ask a question and learn more? Or are you the one that's always demanding, saying listen to me with your frustrated, angry, tense, proud, arrogant spirit? Every time I find myself pushing every way, any of you ever had a bad day before and you realize everywhere I go, people are just being jerks, Right? At some point, you realize, who is the one common denominator of everywhere you go? You ever done that before? Everyone all day has just been so rude. Hmm. Everyone at my work is so rude. Everyone at my home doesn't treat me with respect. Everywhere I go, people just won't listen to me. There may be a reason for that. Are you seeking to understand other people or seeking to be understood? Knowledge and pride drive to be heard. We all struggle with this, don't we? Sometimes you get older, you have more knowledge. I can remember one time as a kid, I still feel embarrassed all the story. I can remember the intersection we're at, I was with my dad and we were driving. And we stopped at a red light and I told him, hey, at this red light only, sometimes the green is on top and the red's on bottom, sometimes the red's in the middle. And I remember my dad looking at me, and my thought is, he didn't say anything to me, but, hmm, that hmm probably meant my son must be mentally challenged, because I don't know what, <laughs> what he's thinking. And I didn't think anything about it. I thought I was sharing wisdom with my dad. Dad's going to be impressed. He probably was in the wrong way. But I remember several years later pulling up to that same light and realizing I was so foolish. In the same moment, I realized how much restraint my dad must have had at that moment. He didn't make me feel foolish. And you know what? Did I lose or gain respect for my dad in that moment? Gained. Because he didn't make me feel foolish when he could have. You don't have to make someone else feel foolish when they're wrong. 
And when you do that, you gain respect. When you do that, people like you more. You don't win people over when you prove that you're right over and over and over again. When someone always has to prove that they're right all the time, it's not engaging. It's not attractive. Knowledge and pride strive to be heard. Does that define someone you know? Do you want to be around that person? If you look in the mirror, is that person you? My guess is if it is, you don't even want to be around yourself. Knowledge and pride kill relationships where love compels us to understand. Is it compelling you? Is it helping you? Is it driving you? Do you yield your way and listen to others? Or do you demand to be heard? This week, put pause on your relationships. And you find yourself getting heated. You find yourself interrupting. You find yourself over-talking everyone around you in just an overbearing spirit. If you do that, put pause. Say, am I, am I seeking to understand them or just to be understood? If you're like me, it's going to halt a lot of conversations. But if you can improve on this, you will be more Christ-like, and you will have better relationships. So, which person are you going to choose to be? Listen to me, or what do you think?